All right. Hey, we are continuing our series this morning. Um, actually, we are finishing our series on the ministry gifts found in Romans chapter 12. But before I do that, let's let me pause and, and draw attention to this piece of plywood that is on our wall. And I'll explain that piece of plywood. There used to be a door there, much like this door located over under the exit sign. And uh, we, were, we are replacing those doors. However, I ordered the wrong doors. I ordered doors for a, four by, for a two by four wall instead of a, a two by six wall. And we didn't realize that till we already had the door cut completely out, frame and all. So thereby we have a, a piece of plywood there. In four to six weeks, we'll have that door replaced. Amen? Yeah. All right. So that's what we got going on there. Uh, that's why we have a piece of plywood. Well, we want to continue again, as I said, our series uh, called Made to Matter. And the title of our message today is Be Heard. And I hope you'll understand the importance of that as we continue together. We're reading this morning from Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. It says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let me pause here. I'm going to reemphasize this point. Everybody has been given a gift. You've been got by the grace God has given to you, He's given you a spiritual gift. And now he says a very powerful line that I want you to grab a hold of, underline, mark, highlight, memorize. Let us use them. Let's say that together. Let us use them. I think God, this is emphatic. This is not a suggestion. Jesus is not saying, hey, church, here's a really good idea. Think about this, ponder this, contemplate this, talk about this, take gifts tests about this, but do nothing else. He's saying, no, above all else, use your spiritual gifts in the local church. If prophecy in proportion to your faith, now uh, we, we've talked about this for uh, a, a, a little bit here, this gift of prophecy, because I think it's one of the most confused and misunderstood gifts in the church. Most of the times when we think about the gift of prophecy, we think about somebody standing up and predicting the future, and that has very little to do with the gift of prophecy. Now, we have a, uh, we have a Bible that is full of prophecy, but those prophets did so much more. They not only predicted the future as the Holy Spirit led them, but their primary role was to speak forth God's truth. And that is the primary role of the gift of prophecy in the church. Its primary role is to speak forth God's truth to people. In other words, the Holy Spirit will give you a word to give to somebody that will encourage them and build them up in their faith. So prophecy is more about foretelling than it is about forth, excuse me, it is more about forthtelling than it is about foretelling, right? And, the, and foretelling the, or predicting the future. Don't, I don't want anybody to be scared when you take that spiritual gifts test and it says, hey, you have to get to prophecy. And you're like, ah, freak out. No, don't do that. Just, just say, Jesus, how do you want me to use that gift here in the local church? And understand all it is is speaking a word of life to somebody as the Holy Spirit directs you. If service in our serving. Now, listen, we are all called to serve. But those with a spiritual gift of serving have a greater sense of satisfaction and fulfillment from serving others. I serve, and afterwards, I'm tired. Those with the gift of serving are energized by that. They feel like, I was created to do this. I believe that this is the gift that is most like Jesus. Because Jesus said, I've not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. Scripture goes on to say, the one who teaches in his teaching. 
This is the ability to present God's truth in clear and understandable ways. The one who exhorts or encourages, just depending on your translation, in his exhortation or his encouragement. Again, as a disciple, we are all called to encourage people. But those with the gifts, um, the gift of encouragement are to encourage people and their faith more naturally, right? Because they're fulfilled and they find there's their sense of purpose in building others up. They find great meaning in that. Scripture goes on to say, and the one who contributes in his generosity or the one who gives, gives to give in generosity. Listen, those with the gift of giving are really faith builders. We talked about this just a, a few weeks ago. Because when God's people set out in faith to meet a need that they see or to complete a project, the Holy Spirit, or a ministry that God is leading them to, those with the gift of giving, the gift of generosity, they step in and they cover the gap between what has been given to accomplish that need and what is actually needed, right? And when, when they step in and they exercise their spiritual gift of giving and that need is then met, Everybody who's been praying, everybody who's contributed to that need, their faith is built up as I see God's faithfulness to meet it. And that's why I say that those with the gift of generosity are really faith builders. The next spiritual gift is the spiritual gift of leading. It says the one who leads is to lead with zeal. Those with the spiritual gift of leadership are gifted by the Holy Spirit to lead people to accomplish God's purpose in this world and in the church. Although everyone can learn to lead and learn to grow as a leader, we believe that. Those with the spiritual gift of leadership feel like, I was made for this. I was born for this. Finally, the seventh spiritual gift listed in Romans 12 is the gift of mercy. It says, and one who does acts of mercy, do it with cheerfulness. Listen, we are all called to be merciful as a disciple once again. But those with a spiritual spiritual gift of, of mercy are able to give mercy and reach out to people that others have given up on. They're able to go one step further. When we give up on people, they still reach out. They are compelled to through their gifting of the Holy Spirit. As a member of the body of Christ, if you have been born again today, you have a spiritual gift. And I know you may think, no, I don't. Listen, I, I don't have a spiritual gift. Um, you do. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, and in that moment of surrender, God placed his Holy Spirit in you as a deposit, as giving you a new spirit, guaranteeing you that you were born again, that you are his child, that he's coming back for you one day, that's what salvation is. That's what it means to be born again. But also in the midst of that, when he places his new spirit in you, He also gives you a spiritual gift. And so you do have a spiritual gift, and you were created to use that spiritual gift in the local church as the Holy Spirit leads you. Let's take a moment and pray before we continue today. Father, I thank you for your word and your truth. Lord, I I pray today that wherever we're at in this journey we call a Christian life, and wherever we're at when it comes to discovering and understanding and using our spiritual gifts, Lord, my prayer is that your spirit would speak to us and we would take the next step in that journey. Lord, here's the truth according to your word. The church is not complete without each person using their gifts. And above all, you want us to be complete for your glory and your purpose. So I pray, Lord, raise up in our hearts and our minds and our life faith 
Faith to say yes to you. Faith to trust you. And faith to use our spiritual gifts in Jesus' holy name. And everybody said, amen. It's been interesting to me that as we started this, this series on spiritual gifts, um, that I, I came, uh, I've come under a lot of spiritual attacks, some, some really intense spiritual battles I've faced in the last eight weeks. Uh, and I think the reason why is simply this, that Satan doesn't want the church to understand the use of the spiritual gifts. He wants to keep us blind to these truths. He'd rather say, look, at, I, I believe that there are spiritual gifts, but somebody else has that, and they will handle it. My gifting is not needed, and that's a lie. Remember this, that Satan only wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your hope, and he wants to destroy your relationships, and especially your relationship with Jesus. That's why he doesn't want God's people to understand the power of spiritual gifts at work in the local church, because they bring joy, because they offer hope, because they heal relationships in the church today. Now, as I begin to study and prepare for this last message, I was looking for an illustration that really talked about the importance of spiritual gifts in the church. I came across um, the, a story of the great violinist Niccolo Paganini. He, was, he really came to fame in the early 1800s. Is this, yeah, there he is. Good-looking guy, isn't he? All right. And they call him the undisputed father of today's violin techniques. And, and in, as I was reading about him, I came across an illustration. And it says that, and I, and I read this illustration, I thought, this is great, man. This is really going to drive home the point of how important spiritual gifts are. And it says this, that Niccolo Paganini was, was a marvelous, uh, uh, wheeled his marvelous violin to, G to Genoa, the city of his birth, but only on condition that the instrument never be played upon. It was an unfortunate condition for it's a peculiar, peculiarity of wood that as long as it is used and handled, it shows little wear. And as soon as it is discarded, it begins to decay. The exquisite, the, the exquisite mellow tone violin has become warming in its beautiful case, valueless except as a relic. The moldering instrument is a reminder that a life withdrawn from all service to others loses its meaning. And I thought, wow. What a powerful illustration of how we need to use our spiritual gifts and not shelve our spiritual gifts. Right? I thought, man, that is awesome. And as I began to do a little bit more research on this violin, I, I discovered this. I discovered that Paganini's violin was alive and well and being used regularly. Here's a picture of it. Today it is valued, it was made in 1743, and today it is valued at over $4 million. And in fact, some of the most renowned violinists of our day have the opportunity to use this on a regular basis, use this violin on a regular basis. But, so I realized that either this illustration is incorrect, or maybe he donated a different violin, but I couldn't find any information about him donating a separate violin. This violin was donated to the city of Genoa. But this is where the story changes for me, and I believe it changes for us. In my research, I discovered that the violin, this violin, was just as famous as its owner. In fact, 
It has such a unique and powerful sound that Paganini called it my cannon. And the cannon, as it is now called, um, is played regularly, like I said, by some of the most accomplished violinists in the world. And here's how I want to make a connection to this. You and your spiritual gifts are much like this violin. Now, there are a lot of violins out in the world made by a lot of different people. And together, each violin and its owner makes a unique sound, right? There will there'll be other people who have the same spiritual gifts as you do. And it's natural to think, well, I'm not needed, right? Somebody else will have the same spiritual gift in the church, and you're probably right. Somebody else will have it covered. Whatever this spiritual gift needs to do in the local body, somebody else will take care of it. Or rather, somebody else is much better at this than I am. They're, they're far more gifted in this area than I am. Or I'm simply afraid to use my spiritual gift. Listen, these are, these are all lies. The truth is that your spiritual gift needs to be heard in the local church. Just like this violin needs to be played, your spiritual gift needs to be heard. But here's the thing. Satan wants to keep you from, from playing your spiritual gift, from using your spiritual gift. Because number one, he wants to keep you from growing in your faith. He doesn't want you to grow in your faith. And when you serve using your giftings, your faith grows. You know why? Because you have to step out in faith. You have to trust, number one, that God's word where he says you are gifted. You have been given a spiritual gift, and you were given that gift to use it. That takes faith. And when you step out in faith in that area, your faith grows. Your faith in Jesus grows through your obedience. And let's remember this. Faith is not something that is mystical that you just conjure up. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Biblical faith is always tied to obedience. When we obey Jesus, then our faith grows in response. When you use your spiritual gifts in the local church, not only do you grow, but God's people grow, and His church grows. And both of those results cause you to grow up in Christ. The second reason Satan doesn't want you to use your spiritual gifts is because he wants to keep the church from accomplishing its purpose. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the church as a body, the metaphor, a body for the church. It says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would make it no less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And as we look at the scripture, within it we see him using uh, the, the, the body as a metaphor for the local church, but also the church universal. But in it we see a message of completeness. Can you see that in there? That God wants his church to be complete. He wants the local church to be complete. And each one of us have a role in completing the body of Christ here in this community. But I think there's also a sense of incompleteness in this passage of Scripture. 
a sense of incompleteness to the body when when each of us are not using our spiritual gifts in the local church. Yes, it's true. God can raise somebody up to fill the void. You say, Jesus, I, I just can't do that. God will raise somebody else up to fill the void. But that place was created for you. It was created for you. See, church, I believe that God is pretty smart. Pretty smart. In fact, we have a word for this. It's called omniscient. He's he's all-knowing. Psalms 147 says, Great is our Lord, and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Right? So when we question God, we are questioning his omniscience, in a sense. James 3.17 says, but the wisdom from above, meaning God's wisdom, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So in God's wisdom, he has gifted you and placed you in the local body for a purpose because he loves you, because he knows that's what is best for you. Remember Paganini's violin? What made it unique was the combination of the instrument together with the violinist. Together, the two made a unique sound. And in a similar way, when you combine your personality, your natural abilities, in combination with your spiritual gifts, you'll begin to make a unique sound that builds up the body of Christ, that builds up the local church. And that sound is needed to be heard here at Crosspoint and needs to be heard here in this community. In fact, you make a sound and you play a role in the symphony of ministry that God has determined should be and needs to be right here in this church and in this community. I would encourage everybody to take a different view on church attendance. And instead of looking for a church and saying, does this church fit my needs? What if we begin to look at our church attendance and our church community and said, God, are you calling me to this church? Are you calling me to this church community because you have a place for me? Because I believe that's where Jesus, I believe that's Jesus' idea and his plan. We are, we are consumers, aren't we? And we shop for a good church. I'm, sh- I'm going church shopping. You guys ever use that term? I'm going church shopping. Right? I guess there's a little bit involved in that. You, you want to find the church, the Holy Spirit says, this is it. Not necessarily the church we say, yeah, that, admits, that checks all the boxes that I have. When we say, Jesus, what church are you calling me to? You're saying, Jesus, I believe you have a purpose for me here in this local church. I'm choosing to live my life on purpose for your glory rather than for myself. I'm here to help bring completeness to the body of Christ with my spiritual gifts. I'm here to find my place of passion and my place of destiny in the local church. That's where I'm going to be fulfilled. And I can chase a thousand other things. I can chase a thousand other dreams. I can chase a thousand other relationships, a thousand other hobbies. But I'm never going to feel fulfilled until I find my place of purpose in God's local church 
using my ministry gifts for his glory. That is your place of purpose and destiny. Because you matter and your spiritual gifts matter in the local church. Remember this, that Satan is only a counterfeiter. A counterfeiter and a deceiver. And he wants to remake the local church in his image. Broken. Incomplete. And separated from God's presence. That's why he wants us to focus on our insecurities instead of God's greatness. He wants to focus on somebody else's giftedness instead of obedience. He wants to focus on on the busyness of life, right? Instead of God's glory and kingdom and purpose. However, when we choose Jesus' voice over Satan's voice, when we choose obedience over selfishness, when we choose faith over fear, the local church is complete and unstoppable. And that's my belief. Jesus said these words in Matthew 16. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right? You are a part of that church. You are a part of that building process. You make this church complete when you engage using your spiritual gifts. See, it doesn't matter what you've done. And it doesn't matter how hard your life has been. And it doesn't matter how bad your mistakes were in the past. What matters is that you choose by faith to follow Jesus' call. That through Jesus, the moving of God's spirit through the local church, your life can be transformed and your spiritual gifts will be used to transform other lives. I want to invite the worship team up this morning as we prepare to close. I so strongly believe this because I've seen this happen. I've seen the miracle. You know, we have a sign up here in the prayer area that says, miracles happen here. You know what we mean by that? We mean that any moment you can surrender your life to Jesus, surrender what you're struggling with to Jesus, surrender your, your fear to Jesus, surrender your greatest sin to Jesus, your greatest selfishness to Jesus, and he can set you free. He can transform your life. Because I believe that's the greatest miracle. Yeah, he can heal your body. We believe that. That's why we pray. He can mend your marriage. We believe that. That's why we pray. He can heal your relationships. We believe that. That's why we pray. But really, it first starts with him changing you. That's his greatest priority. And we all play a role in building one another up. I think about my good friends, Brian and Jen. When they came to church, they were pretty beat up in life. There's two people that had been raised in church. And then just through a series of choices, had really gotten away from a gospel-centered life. Both of them were, were divorced or in the midst of a, a really painful divorce breakup. Both of them had been in abusive relationships. And somehow they'd found each other. They'd been best friends in high school. And in the midst of all the pain that their choices had really brought to their life, they ended up finding each other. And when they showed up to church, he was in the, Brian was in the midst of an ugly, ugly divorce that had been going on for four years, four or five years, a long time. Jen is, was recovering from an abusive relationship and they were living together and Jen was pregnant. And they, 
They come to church because their dad said, hey, there's a new, new preacher at church. Come and check them out. And they came in and, and we just we just loved them. And I remember somebody coming to me and saying, hey, listen, you need to talk to those people because they're living together and, and that they shouldn't be living together and coming to church. And, and, uh, and how we just said, look, we love them. It is not our job to do the work of the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. It is our job to point them to the truth found in God's Word, right? And just love them. Brian went on to become our worship leader, gifted vocalist and pianist. The guy could be on the radio, he's that gifted if he just had the opportunity. Jen went on to, to start up and, and lead our Celebrate Recovery ministry, reaching out to other people and her gift of mercy that, that, that life had given up on. And in that three or four year process, there was a lot that took place. There's a lot of tears, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of prayers, there's a lot of growth. But this is how the church worked together in their life. This is how the symphony of God's gifted people presented the gospel and loved them into a right relationship with Jesus once again. Those with the gift of mercy look past their mistakes in order to see their future. Those with the gift of prophecy spoke words that they need to hear from God. Those with the gift of, te- the gift of teaching helped to guide them to base their life on God's word rather than emotions and past choices. Those with the gift of encouragement and serving just loved them and built them up, encouraged them so they felt loved and valued in the local church. You know, that's something that life had stolen from them. Those with the gift of giving, they gave generously. We took on some, some big projects and we made some, took some big chances for Jesus. And when those with the gift of giving came through and, and made those things possible through their generosity, everybody's faith grew and Brian and Jen's faith grew as well. Those with the gift of leadership, show them how to live their life on mission for Jesus. Brian and Jen have gone on just to love people in the kingdom and to serve Jesus. Because the symphony of the local church reached out to them through their spiritual gifts and showed them a better way. So that God's redemptive work through the powerful movement of the Holy Spirit could change their life forever. Your spiritual gifts are needed in the local church. They're needed. You see, someone's life will be transformed because you chose to love them through your spiritual giftings. And you may never see it that way. But each of us contribute to the symphony of life transformation in somebody's life. Of bringing hope for the first time. Victory for the first time. Because you choose to walk in your spiritual gifts. Today, as a response, I'm just going to ask you to do a few things. If you haven't yet taken the spiritual gifts test, do so. 
go home. Go to our website, cpyakima.church. Click on the, the uh, uh, Get Involved tab, and right there, you'll, all you do is click on the Spiritual Gifts page. It takes maybe 10 minutes to take that Spiritual Gifts test. Let's, let's, let's begin to find out what your spiritual giftings are if you don't already know what they are. We can sit down and talk about them. That's what I like to tell you about that spiritual gifts test is it, it is not definitive, but it helps to point you in the right direction. The best assurance of what your spiritual gifts are is practice and affirmation. As I'm working in this area, do I feel fulfilled and do other people affirm that gifting in my life? That's the truest measure. But if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, let's discover them. Take that spiritual gifts test today. And the second thing I'm going to ask you to do today in response to this, this series on spiritual gifts is to check out the different serving opportunities that we have set up uh, in the four-year area. It's, it's, a, it's kind of a mini ministry fair. And uh, walk by. There are going to be, there are going to be mini sandwiches out there for you to grab a snacks. We encourage you to go out, hang out, uh, check out some of the ministry opportunities, talk with people, sit down in the children's area. We're going to throw some tables up in there. You can relax a little bit, but see if there's a place that, that Jesus is calling you to serve right here in the local church. Ask a few questions. See if your ministry giftings will be a good fit. Well, let's take a step of faith and say, Jesus, how do you want to use me in your church today? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for spiritual gifts. I thank you, Lord, that when you said, I'm going to build my church and nothing's going to stop it, you chose to use your people in that process. And that's how much you love us. That's how much you believe in us. And so you gave us spiritual gifts to be used because we believe in you. Because the way we show you that we love you is by obeying you, by saying yes to your will in our lives. Jesus, we want to step out and use our spiritual gifts in the local church. So Jesus, I pray that you will speak to our hearts today, that you will lead us into ministry opportunities, that you will give us the faith to say yes to you. Because God, we want to continue to see really cool, life-transforming stories like Brian and Jen's. You called us to that ministry, and we love you and trust you. In Jesus' holy name, everybody said, amen and amen. All right, we are going to take this opportunity. We get the lights on, please. It is time for us to dismiss. This is a little different ending than we normally have, but I want to give you the, uh, a little bit of time to go out there and to wander around and to grab some snacks. So I'm going to pray over the snacks. And then we are going to read our closing scripture, right? Because we love opening by reading God's word, talking about God's word, and then closing by reading God's word. So let me pray just over the food that's going to be out there. Father, I, I thank you, God, that you provide cool stuff for us. I pray, Lord, that you'll, you'll take the food that's out there, you will bless through our bodies, and God, uh, uh, you will somehow, Lord, uh, love us today just through everything people have prepared. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.